0: Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor.
1: And I'm Austin Martini, a student pilot. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot.
0: And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial.
2: So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another great and fantastic episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. So we're going to be talking about another story time, Brandon's story time. I guess that's our kind of our uh, our theme for this week, uh, it sounds like, huh, Carson?
2: It sounds like it. You're, you're a great storyteller. I told you after the last episode we did. And uh, oh, judging by the popularity of these episodes, I think everyone else would agree.
0: All right. I'll take it. I'll take the uh, I'll take the compliment anywhere I can get it. Uh, but so Austin and I actually, and the reason why Austin's on this episode today is because we both did a flight uh, up north. Uh, we were lucky enough to uh, go meet up with my buddy, Kevin Strange, uh, who you all met a few episodes ago. Uh, Kevin has a crazy career background and... Uh, as you know, he went to the National Test Pilot School, which we talked about, and he is the uh, chief test pilot uh, for Icon Aircraft. So, of course, whenever I went up there, and I and Kevin even gave me my tailwheel endorsement uh, back in the day. So, uh, of course, when we were going up there, I hit him up, and I was like, hey, Kevin, we got to go meet up, and I'd love to do some air-to-air stuff with you if we can, or or land on the water, whatever it may be we can do, uh, because I had to go drop it off for the uh, parachute rocket replacement. Um, it's due next month or a couple months from now or something. So I just want to get ahead of it. But recently, uh, we were able to go up there and drop that plane off and we were able to go splash around and our icons together. And luckily Austin got to come and I wasn't actually going to bring him originally. He was supposed to go to his mom's house and, uh, and he was like, Oh, you're taking the icon up there. Can I go? So I told him if the plane tickets for the plane ride back are not absolutely crazy expensive. I said, you can go. So, so I asked my assistant to look up plane tickets and she said they were less than 200 bucks. I said, that sounds fair enough. i am already got a hotel room. I've already got the Uber. I said, it's only 200 bucks more and you get to come with. So we're going to go do it. So Austin got to come up with me. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's
2: pretty cool. Um, but how'd you set it up with, with going to go and fly with Kevin? I mean, he's pretty busy and so are you. So how'd you find the time for that one? Um,
0: so I had this scheduled like months in advance because yeah, my, you know, my schedule, just recording these podcasts lately have been ridiculously difficult. And by the way, it's not ridiculously difficult to get these podcasts scheduled because of Carson. It's like 99% me the other day. I even said, Carson, just please go record it on your own. I can't do it right now. I don't have time. Like I want to so bad. I've been even recording them at home because I can't make it to our studio lately. Uh, so I'm at home right now, even doing it, uh, getting ready for Austin's, uh, Austin's school week about to start on Thursday, which is pretty neat. But, uh, but yeah, so we were able just to kind of talk about it. And I've been talking with Kevin for a few weeks now and I asked him, uh, if he'd be around and he said, Oh, we'll have to kind of play it by ear because he's always testing different airplanes and flying them and putting hours on them and making sure they're tweaked properly and all that stuff, uh, for the new owners to take. So, uh, we just, uh, I would text him on the way up and, uh, and he said, Oh yeah, I'll be flying around. I'm putting a few hours on this plane. So we'll go meet at the lake. And he gave me an air to air, communication frequency. Uh, so as soon as I got up there, I just hit him up, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool adventure flight though, too.
2: Yeah. How, how long did it take you to actually get up there? I mean, the Icon's not the fastest plane you have.
0: No, we were going, I think like 85 knots or 80 knots the whole way, maybe a little slower than that. I don't know. It was slow. Uh, I don't remember. I, I wrote down the Hobbs before and after, but I haven't logged in my logbook yet, but it had to have been I don't know, five or six hours, maybe seven. I don't know. It was a lot of flight time. How long did it feel, Austin?
1: It felt like seven hours because I was flying most of the time and it was just so it, and the seat's not comfortable either. So that doesn't help.
0: Yeah. It's definitely not a cross country machine. Uh, and that was a pretty large cross country to do. So that was, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty cool flight, but those seats are, are meant to look good, not feel good for seven hours.
2: At least you weren't flying close to coast. Like your story from last week or last episode.
0: Well, I've flown coast to coast in that icon and that was an adventure itself. I don't know if I ever talked about that, but I mean, I even left it in Dallas for like two weeks because I was like, I can't finish this flight. <laughs> it was just too much. Um, no, I had work. I had to get done, but that's why I had to leave it in Dallas for a couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah. So I'm glad I didn't have to fly it all, all by myself all the way around.
2: Well, yeah, you have your, uh, your autopilot that you trained, So that's pretty cool. But what was the, uh, the flight itself like, um, I mean, I know it was a long flight. I understand that it's not made for comfort, but how'd the flight go?
0: By the way, the autopilot was fantastic in this flight. Uh, autopilot thought the Austin Martini 5000 um, or whatever Everyone. you want to call him, but he was doing great. Actually, I looked at his track on Flight, and I looked at his track on, uh, on FlightAware and it was absolutely perfect. I mean, super straight. Every time he'd get off like five degrees, I'd be yelling at him. <laughs> in a nice way, of course, but I'd be like, Austin, aren't you supposed to be on, aren't you supposed to be on the track while you're off track? Why aren't you looking out where you're going? And, uh, I mean, it was a combination of being a CFI and being a dad, um, both at the same time is always an enjoyable experience for me. So it was kind of funny. Uh, but we actually did a crazy flight. So when I was in Oshkosh, when Carson and I did this, uh, the icon flight with the new four bladed propeller, we, I I went and flew with a guy over there, and his name's Alex, and he's one of the uh, the ferry pilots and demo pilot sales guy. And I flew with Alex, and, he, and I asked him if he knew anywhere in Southern California that like we can go splash around a little bit and actually land. And he said, point doom, uh, we could go land and splash around. And that was right off of the Malibu Malibu coast. So I said, oh, it's probably beautiful over there. Um, as long as we don't irritate people with our airplane noise, because those are like multi multi-million dollar homes. So I was going to just try not to irritate anybody with airplane noise, especially with the icon is super loud. So we went and tried to splash around over there and honestly it wasn't any better than Long Beach Harbor where I normally take it. So, uh, we ended up just kind of doing a bunch of touch and goes. And then we, f- we flew like 10 feet off the water, uh, for a good I don't know, 15 minutes, which was really fun. I mean, just flying that close to the, to the water is is always a blast. Uh, so we ended up doing that. And, uh, and then we saw, uh, what was it we saw? We saw a helicopter. Um, we saw a helicopter just flying over the ground and Austin spotted it.
1: It was extremely cool. It was picking up water, I believe for training. And I was looking on the map and I'm like, huh, that's interesting
0: yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. It was doing, I don't know if it was picking up water. It looked like it was picking up water probably from his perspective, but I think it was doing, uh, it was training people to like jump from the airplane and do like the rescue. So you could see the water all rippling around because the helicopter was like, I don't know, probably 20 feet off of the water, 30 feet off the water. So you see it's rotor wash, just destroying the water below you. And, uh, and I'm assuming they were just testing, Um, maybe people jumping out of the airplane and then re-rescuing them or whatever they were doing, but there was a safety boat right next to it that was probably getting actually sloshed with water (laughs) because it was, it was just, it was like a downspout almost. It was crazy. Uh, but we went over there and then we, uh, we, we finished our splash and goes and and things that we did over in point doom. And uh, we went over to Camarillo and, uh, we were going to go to the FBO and just have them fuel us. But then I saw self fuel fuel pit right next to the side of the taxiway. So I called up the, the, the ground controller. I said, Hey, can we just make a detour and, and go to the right and go to the self self fuel. Said, proceed as requested. I was like, perfect. Those are my favorite words to hear from a controller. So by the way, any controllers listening, please say those words all the time, especially if you hear uh, any of my airplanes, just proceed as requested or direct something like that is, is really what we want. (laughs) Uh, so we just got some fuel, used the bathroom. I actually talked to Carson on the phone for 15 minutes or 10 minutes about an issue that we were having. And, uh, uh, got that solved real quick, and uh, and then Austin and I jumped in the airplane. We said, "All right, I think we can make it all the way to uh, to Lake Berryessa, which is where we were heading. Uh, we wanted to go to Vacaville, and Lake Berryessa was the lake that we were we were on route to." Austin actually was able to uh, to try to land the airplane again. He hasn't landed a uh, an aircraft in a while, so I was kind of talking him through it a little bit, but seeing what mistakes he would make, and uh, he actually got to land the airplane at Camarillo. It was a little off a center line, so I had to correct that, and not quite coordinate with his rudder pedals, but uh, did pretty good for not landing an airplane for a while. And he's 12 years old, so I mean that's a, a big one. So how was the landing? How would you feel about your landing, Austin?
1: I feel like I was a little too sideways on the landing. I feel like because with the icon, it's a small airplane, only has two seats, so it's really hard to maneuver. So and the rudders are a little odd, so I had to put a lot of left rudder. And barely any right, or else it would just go whoop and spin around. Let me kind of explain. You to right? that.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna translate that for everybody. <laughs> uh, so yes, it does have a different turning motion. So you have to put in more left rudder on this airplane than you would like a normal right rudder airplane, uh, because it's the turning moments the other way because it's a pusher, not a not a not a puller, right uh, type of propeller. So yes, there's more left rudder involved uh, than right rudder. But when you're coming in in a small airplane like this one the maneuverability is so high, any control movement you do is going to change the characteristic of the airplane quite a bit. So every little control movement in his case, were a little too big. So it just made it a little more squirrely. And if anybody's ever flown an aircraft with, or a small airplane, a very light aircraft or an ultralight or something, and there's any type of wind around, or especially a crosswind, you're going to notice that you have to do a lot of different control movements just to keep the airplane in exactly the right place that you want it when landing. So, but overall he did pretty good. He's leveled off and flared a little bit higher than I wanted him to. Uh, but it was totally within safe tolerances and, and stuff like that. So we had a debriefing after that, after we were getting fuel, obviously. And, uh, and it was pretty good, but, but, uh, after we ended up uh, leaving there, we ended up taking off and we had the slowest climb to like 6 or 7000 feet or whatever we were at 65 70 I I, rem- I don't remember what it was but
1: about 6000
0: 6500 I think is what we went up to and it was so slow and we had a little bit of a headwind it was brutal and uh and we still had enough fuel I was watching the fuel to uh to get us all the way to Lake S, and I was like okay we have enough fuel we might have to make a stop to get fuel if we want to go splash around in Lake Bariasa, which of course what we wanted to. I mean, that was part of the whole flight up there. I mean, I wanted to go to a lake that I can actually go land and, and sit at and sit on the, the wing and stuff like that. So um, we wanted to do that. Uh, but on our way up there, we we're both said, Wow, and all, mostly Austin started off with Dad, I'm really hungry. I'm like, oh, you want to okay, fine. Let me see if I can find a place to eat. Well, he said I'm really hungry at the right time. I looked to my right and like 10 miles to like the northeast, so along our flight path, guess what was there, Carson? One of your favorite airports.
2: Harris Ranch?
0: Harris Ranch, absolutely.
2: Oh, that place is awesome. A little, little sketchy uh, runway, but awesome. what did you think about that runway?
0: Yeah, What did you think about the runway?
1: That runway was the smallest runway in the world and it was so narrow and really short. You had to taxi back to take off. You had to taxi back in the middle of a runway. If there's another airplane coming, um, I don't want to find out what
0: happens. Yeah, it's called back taxiing. For all of you who don't know, um, some airports, they don't have taxiways that you learn at. You actually have to back taxi. And believe it or not, from the last airport, Branson, Missouri, which was a pretty large airport, it was at least a class Delta airport with a control tower. They give you back taxi instructions, believe it or not, Um, even at at Branson. This airport is definitely not very big. Uh, I don't have the in front of me, but the runway is, I don't know, 40 or 40 feet or 30 feet wide. It's super small and it's not very long. I mean, it's long enough to take off in a twin. Um, Carson, what was your experience at Harris Ranch?
2: Oh, we are flying back from, I think, Sacramento and we, we were in the Duchess, uh, which isn't a massive airplane, but it's also not a tiny one. And we were flying down and Brandon said, Hey, you want to go get lunch? I was like, Yeah, of course. It's cool. I know this place. So it's called Harris Ranch. But Need to find out if it's going to work because we're in a large plane. I was like, it, what do you mean? Is it going to work? We, we can land almost anywhere. And, uh, Brandon, what did you say about that?
0: Well, I said we're going to need a lot of runway, that's for sure. But speaking of the runway, I just looked it up right now and I was right. It is 30 feet wide. The runway is 30 feet wide. So it's very, very tiny and is 2,820 feet long. So, I mean, it's not incredibly short. Uh, but it's short enough to make you think about it and especially short enough flying i don't know something like a twin but uh, in the icon it, it it takes off really quickly but but landing in yeah, with 30 feet, i mean that's pretty pretty small runway
2: yeah you have to you have to hit it on the mark and uh, i think we ran it was a hot summer day so we ran those numbers for pretty much everything all our landing distance takeoff roll everything we could we could run we we made sure it was going to work and we did it about three or four times each so we're we're confident that we're going to be able to take off again.
0: Just just like you're supposed to do when you're super current, right, Carson?
2: That was part of being super current. Thank you for using my word. You know, I really appreciate it. Uh, 2024, Far Aim, 2025, it's going to have super current in it.
0: Uh, by the way, I think we should get t-shirts made that say super current.
2: We should.
0: <laughs> Austin just said, what does that even mean?
2: <laughs> Austin, you obviously don't listen to our podcast enough, buddy. I think I start listening to other episodes now.
0: That's good. You should, as you should. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So Carson, what what airplane did we fly there?
2: Yeah, we flew the Duchess, and uh, it, it was it was a crazy flight um, all around. I that was my first time ever doing multi-engine, having the engine shut off, and I think that was the first time I'd actually flown a multi with you. Uh, I got about six or seven hours and a couple interesting landings. So yeah, that was definitely, definitely the interesting.
0: most interesting. It definitely is most interesting. But, absolutely. Yeah,
2: it's not as cool as playing the icon together, which we still haven't gotten to do. But, you know, go back to your icon flight. Keep going. So what happened after Harris Ranch?
0: Yeah. So we, we stopped in Harris Ranch. We got some uh, we got some food and uh, wanted to make sure that we were all full. And we were. We, we actually went to the takeout place. Uh, it's in the gas station. It's got like a takeout barbecue place. So we both got some sides and a barbecue sandwich, uh, which was phenomenal. It wasn't quite the restaurant experience. And I totally forgot to tell them that we were pilots because then they give you 10% off your meal. And, uh, by the way, anybody going to Harris ranch, you got to tell them or show them your pilot certificate and they will give you 10% off your meal. Uh, but it's okay. I, I gave it to, to a good restaurant, so I don't feel bad about it. Uh, but it was fantastic. It, so
2: yeah, it's a killer restaurant though. It is. That was probably one of the best steaks I've ever had. That was fresh. Yeah.
0: It's it, yeah, I mean take,
2: it was moving before we got there, you know.
0: Probably days before. I mean, it is it's sorry for any vegans or vegetarians on this uh on this pot or listening to the podcast, but but they do have excellent steaks and they're all grass fed and humanely treated. So I really like supporting them. Uh but nonetheless, I digress. We ended up uh, eating there. We took off, we got some more fuel there, and uh and we said, All right, let's go. We're on our way to Lake Berryessa." And uh, I'm texting uh I'm texting on the way up there. I'm texting Kevin and finding out where he's at. He's like, Oh, I'm going to be on the lake. So come see me. Perfect. So I get that air to air frequency I was telling you guys about. And, uh, and we get over to Lake Berryessa and, uh, I missed a call. I guess icon called me uh, from the ground and I thought they were calling, calling, uh, Kevin, but icon was trying to figure out my ETA. And, uh, cause I didn't tell him what time I was going to be there. I just said, I'll be there sometime. And we left pretty early in the morning. We left at 9am or something. We we didn't end up getting into Icon's facilities until like six PM or something like that. But uh, Austin says five thirty. I'm still pretty close. They're calling. So we leave up going past your flight there. Plan
2: open. What's that? They're calling you like when you leave your flight plan open.
0: Like, hey, That's you- exactly. life check, You still still coming? You still good? <laughs> exactly. It was very similar, uh, but they end up hearing me on the radio talking with Kevin. So I ended up uh, going down into uh, into that to, to Lake Barriosa's like valley. And uh, Austin wanted to have his first water landing. Uh, He's never had a water landing before. So I taught him through uh, or talked him through what a water landing is supposed to look like and how to do a water landing. Uh, So he got to have his first water landing. So Austin, how was your first water landing? what did you think about it? And what what did it feel like? I mean, he's done splash and goes on the, in the harbor over here, but they're, it's not a real landing. You you don't stop on the water and taxi.
1: It was um, very different from a splash and go and it's actually quite a bit easier than landing on land on water you have kind of more room for error per se than on land
0: you do per se absolutely you do (laughs) no you do have a lot more uh room for for errors uh basically you you want to land in kind of a lane but you if you're off or the wind changes or something, you can actually change your direction of landing, which is the best thing about a seaplane. You can change your direction of landing based on exact coordinates of where the wind is at. So, which is pretty phenomenal actually. Uh, so that's why I really enjoy, enjoy that type of flying and it looks like Austin did too.
2: I have a question uh, to make this a little more educational. With seaplane ratings, once you have your seaplane and you also have a CFI certificate, are you able to immediately start teaching people in a seaplane?
0: Um, yes, not should you, can you, yes, you can. So <laughs> everything I do with Austin is all logged as CFI time, uh, because I was already a flight instructor actually, I don't know if I was a flight instructor first or second. I think I was a flight instructor first. Yeah, I was flight instructor first. So I got, I got the seaplane rating after I was a flight instructor. So, um, so yeah, I was able to flight instruct technically the day after I could. I wouldn't say I'm a great flight instructor when it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to seaplane flying, but good enough.
2: That's what you want to hear when you're flying. Good enough.
0: (laughs) Good enough. Just kidding. Just kidding. Good enough to be safe at least or dangerous. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but no, that's why I don't teach anybody in the, in the icon. I don't have enough experience, uh, uh, flying seaplanes to, to feel super confident and competent, uh, about my, my flight instruction abilities in a, in that particular kind of seaplane. Uh, so, but I think I might go get the IAFI, which is like the flight instructor version of uh, like a Cirrus CSIP. Uh, so I'm thinking about going and becoming one of those, uh, especially now that I've lost all the weight, I can fly with more people now. I don't have to fly with 130 pound people. I can fly with people up almost up to 200 pounds now. So uh, that'll be, that'll be kind of neat to do at some point. I'll go get that IAFI and, and that way I can go do test flights for them or different things like that. It'd be a lot of fun, but uh, onto what I, what we were doing so we go over Austin does his first water landing we come to a complete stop and I call Kevin up on the radio and I said hey okay, let's let's meet up with each other I said just stay where you're at I'm going to step taxi and go over to you so I step taxi and go over and and the winds and we finally get there we tur- we both turn off the engines and um the airplanes are kind of floating to each other it's like they're attracted to each other and uh and we took some uh some some pictures and some videos of of him landing and me landing and uh, we took pictures on top of the wing and we took a, a, a selfie. Uh, me and Austin are sitting on top of the wing with Kevin in the back, just kind of standing up waving. Uh, it was, and it's two icons in the water at the same time. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. You don't get to see that very often. So it was, it was really a phenomenal thing to do and feel, especially when you're that close to the icon factory. It's where little baby icons are born. And this one was only like three hours old. It was, it was born. He said it was a day old, day old. Yeah. So a day old icon with a 2017 uh, or whatever year mine was made. Yeah, we have icon number 17 and this was like 250 or something like that or 300. I don't know. It was up there in numbers. So uh, we ended up doing that and then I wanted to show Austin some some good times. So showing them power off 180s in the icon and it, it doesn't it, – it, drops like a brick when you pull the power out. So I was showing him stuff like that. And, and, uh, we were just having such a good time on the water, step taxing and, uh, uh, and then kind of sailing as well. I showed him some sailing and we just had such a good time on the water. I was just, I was really bummed that it was over when it was over. I was running out of gas, I needed more fuel. Otherwise I probably would have been there another hour or so. Uh, but we need more fuel. And then we told Kevin, we're going to go catch up to him. And so we ended up, uh, ended up, uh, we had a circle to get out of this, this mountainous area where like Barry S is. So we circled a couple times to get altitude. And, uh, and then we departed, uh, back over towards Lake towards, uh, Vacaville, And, uh, and we came in there and we landed and I couldn't find icon for the life of me. Cause they didn't have just icons sitting outside. Like I expected, they were all inside a giant hangar, uh, which was really like a warehouse hangar, which was pretty neat. Uh, so we get there right behind, uh, Kevin, uh, and, uh, and we ended up taxing the airplane over and, and bringing it inside. And it was just a fantastic experience uh, overall uh, getting there. And uh, it was even better once we entered inside.
2: Yeah, it sounds like such a cool flight. Um, what, what happened inside? Like, what was the, in- the inside of an Icon factory or warehouse look
1: like?
0: Austin, you answer that.
1: The inside of the Icon factory. So it had the original molds of the first ever Icon that was made, which was extremely cool. And then it had... A bunch of different colors that i didn't even know existed like a blue one and a gray one and then there was an all yellow one which looked really cool but and then they showed us prototype versions where they had one to simulate i believe it was like wind over the wings
0: uh i'm not sure what you're talking about but they did have some like experimental icons there where they would put larger engines in them or different types of propellers and different avionics. And they really kind of tested everything. We even saw one of the original prototypes that actually had a, because the wings come out and they fold up into, um, into the tail. And they showed us a, an older version where, where it mounted differently. Um, but it was shown to have problems. So they didn't go with that original design, but I've never seen one with that design. I thought it was something else. And I looked at, it I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, it, it has a different like hook and latch mechanism rather than the the one that goes up into it now. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so we got to tour the, the factory and see what's up and coming. It's nothing really up and coming, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's They're still building icons and they're still going to be the same airplane. Uh, but it was really kind of neat to see that factory. Uh, they, they don't build all of them there. They originally started there and built all of them. Uh, But now they build most of their aircraft in Mexico and they do kind of the final assembly and touch-ups in California. And then they do delivery uh, out of California or they do it out of Florida now. So uh, it was a pretty absolute epic place to go to. And just seeing a, a, this is an airplane factory. I mean, this is where airplanes are born. (laughs) It was, it was a really neat experience. And uh, um, I couldn't, I couldn't trade that for the world. I took some pictures and stuff. I'll try to, I'll try to throw some pictures up too, but it was really, really neat.
1: They also showed us the first ever icon that was built. We took a picture in front of that, and that was absolutely amazing. It was also in a movie. I forgot which movie, but it was in a movie.
0: Yeah, he said it was in some movie as well. But it was the first icon ever made. It was icon number one, and uh, it's
1: actually flown.
0: Yeah, and it flew a lot. They did a lot of their testing with this plane, and it looks, I. The outside exterior looks just like an icon does now, but the inside looks nothing the same. I mean, it looks more like a, like a really cheap experimental airplane inside. It does not look like a, uh, $400,000 aircraft that people buy nowadays or, or a quarter million dollar used airplane nowadays. It does not look like that. Uh, but it was pretty neat. I he even told us a story about how he thought the tail was too short. So they cut off the tail and extended it and then they made it have a longer, longer tail uh, which, or empennage. Uh, and that was kind of neat to, to see. And you can kind of see where they would kind of Frankenstein this airplane to make it into what it needed to be. And then they created molds from that airplane, I think. So it was a phenomenal, phenomenal, um, experience there. And uh, after that we ended up, uh, uh, I, I ordered an Uber. We were just going to go to a restaurant, like a bar and grill place, and we we're going to go get dinner. Um, we got recommended it by the uh, by the, by kind of the chief and chief guy over there. And, uh, and, and we, we were waiting for our Uber and then Kevin shows up out of nowhere. And I thought he already left for some reason. It just didn't say bye. And he said, Oh, I was in a meeting. He said, but I got permission from the wife to go out to dinner tonight. I don't have to be home all night, at least not till late. I said, okay, fine, let's go. Uh, so I canceled my Uber, paid my $6 cancellation fee and we jumped into, uh, to his truck uh, with our suitcase in hand <laughs> and, uh, ended up going over and, uh, and we had dinner and, and drinks with him. And we were up
1: until like one in the morning.
0: We were not up until one in the morning, but we ended up, of- we ended up getting back to, we got to the hotel at 12 and the, and the hotel was an hour and a half away, uh, that we were staying at. So we were out hanging out till ten thirty. So we were there for about three hours, three and a half hours, but, uh, it was really neat. We were hanging out. And then, uh, there was another guy, his name's uh, Randy, And uh, he's—he was one of the first Icon employees, like in the top ten Icon employees, I think. He told me his his number before, uh, but he was one of the originals. And uh, he's the chief of all the maintenance there, so I got to to talk with him and. Um, I actually really got to know him on a personal level, uh, cause we had dinner together. He came and had dinner with us. Um, he just randomly went there actually, <laughs> he was going to have dinner by himself and he saw us. And so he, he met us there, um, and ended up eating dinner with us and we had a, we had a great time. I got to know him on a real personal level, like I said, and, uh, we ended up talking and, and he just texted me earlier this morning and he, he needs my, uh, my log books. I forgot to bring them up with me. So now I had, I had Kavu send the log books up there today. They're going to be up there tomorrow, the next day. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again when we go up there and, and I'll probably, he said, he's going to come on down here. Cause he used to be, uh, be out of long beach. He used to, to work for, with race cars. And he said, yeah, with race cars, it's all about creating an airfoil with downward, uh, to keep those wheels on the ground. And now we're doing it the opposite to keep the wheels off the ground. Uh, and that was pretty neat, uh, for him to kind of tell his story about how he worked with, uh, I think he worked, he said either F1 or, or some other type of large racing organization. Uh, which was really phenomenal to, to see. Uh, but yeah, after that, we just hopped in our Uber, went home or went to the, to the uh, hotel after getting there super late. Uh, we just had such a good time chit chatting and, and uh, talking about airplanes. And, uh, and then we get over, we had to wake up at like 4:30 or five in the morning, the next morning and get to the airport early for like a 6am flight. And our flight got delayed for an hour. And then another hour and then another hour. And then we missed all the other flights that could have left to LA or Long Beach or anywhere by this time. And finally, uh, they came out and said, oh, it's going to be another four hours. So it was like an eight hour delay to go from Sacramento to LA. So I ended up canceling that flight. I found another flight through Delta or United, whatever the opposite of the one we were on. And we were luckily able to get a seat on that airplane pretty cheap. It was only like 50 bucks more than what we bought originally. So we ended up getting on that. We flew into LAX and had to Uber pick us up and drove us to go pick up my truck at Long Beach airport. And, uh, went and picked that up and, and, uh, that was kind of the end of our trip, but, uh, it was just such a a fun flight. And, uh, and I couldn't trade that for the world. I mean, all of the, the landing in the water and it was, it was beautiful out too. I took a bunch of pictures.
2: Well, I feel like I didn't have a total understanding of uh, why Brandon was so obsessed with seaplanes until I flew in the Icon. And after you do it, you understand. There is there is something totally magical about landing in the water and being on the water in an airplane. Uh, two things that you, you just think should not mix. And these two things do. And it makes an awesome experience. And something that I think everyone should go and do at some point.
0: Absolutely. I agree. And I know, Carson, you were you were asking a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't know if you ever asked in the... In the- on the podcast, but you're asking, uh, about icons are limited on their waves. Uh, you want to know kind of what, what it's like to land on water if there's big waves or small waves or things like that. And it's really 12 inch uh, waves that you can deal with. You can't deal with anything more than that. And, uh, it's not, it's not very much. Uh, otherwise you're just going to have the water going over your entire canopy. Uh, and if you've got the windows out on the side windows out or something, it's going to engulf your airplane. <laughs> um, you've got a, a bilge pump and It's only going to do so much. So you have to be careful. That's why we don't land in Long Beach Harbor and actually sit on the water and land, um, because we probably get engulfed with water. Uh, but over there, it was only, only a few inches. Um, there was a little bit of wind, but like I said, Lake Berias is kind of in like a valley. So it's really pretty calm, especially next to the water. And of course it can pick up there, but it didn't that day. It was just perfect water to go land and and splash around, but icons limited to uh, 12 inches. And uh, if you're at 12 inches of, of swell or wave or something like that, it's, it's not fun to land in. Uh, you really can't stop on the water landing in that type of of water anyway. So, uh, but yeah, that's my whole story. Uh, it was a blast. Awesome. You have anything else to add to a, to a story or not really, not really. So think we did it. So uh, with that all being said, I hope you enjoyed our, uh, our story of, of taking the icon basically across the state of California uh, to go get its rocket replaced. And, uh, and I hope you enjoy the next episode. I, I haven't had any other Epic flights lately. So uh, the next flight will have to be on uh, when I go pick it up, which will be in a couple weeks, probably. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, But if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach me at Brandon at aviationmentors.com, or you can reach Carson at Carson at aviationmentors.com.
2: And as we wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.
0: See ya. See ya.